Hi, and welcome to The Commons at HBC, a podcast and virtual space for community, conversation, and connection brought to you by the Young Adult Ministry of Highland Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. I am your host, David Bannister, longtime member who's volunteered all over the church. If this is your first time listening, welcome. The concept is simple. We will meet with our guest, hear what's going on at the church, and discuss this past week's sermon. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. It's David with the Commons at HBC. I am so excited to be back with you this Lent. Um, For those that may not know or this podcast is new to you, started this in 2020. Um, And then that was the year that never ended. Uh, And we had our first two seasons. Then we came back and we had our third season last year for Lent. And now I'm back for season four. So I'm really excited. Um, I will be recording these episodes uh, for the next seven weeks. Today is the first. Um, And we'll go all the way through Easter. Um, Today I have a newer young adult to our program to to chat with um and that is carrie seabree hi carrie hey david how are you i'm good and i'm it's so exciting to see you again i know you were just reminding me that we have met at lauren jones mayfield house and i am terrible with names and faces but i am glad to see you how's it going going pretty well pretty pretty good monday good Good. So you said this is your first podcast, so don't worry. It'll be fine. It'll be good. Um, uh, you know, as as the setup usually goes for those that may be tuning in for the first time, you know, we uh, the first half of this podcast is interviewing you, getting to know you, having a little chatter. And then the second half, we're going to jump into uh, what 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 was the sermon about? Um, what did Mary Alice talk to us about and uh, how we can apply that to our life or what it reminded of us of in our life. So uh, how does that sound? Sounds great. All right. So I always do this first question and um, I'm curious to know what brought you to Highland and how long have you been coming? All right. Well, what brought me to Highland is that I grew up a pastor's kid. So I've been going to church wherever my dad was working on staff or pastoring. And we just entered a season during COVID where he wasn't pastoring anywhere. And I wanted to take some time to look around Louisville and find a church that maybe my fiance and I wanted to go to and some friends that we would normally go to church with. So I started looking around um, online, but Louisville has a church about every block in the area. (laughs) Yes, it does. So um, I decided to go to Reddit, actually, and I was just Reddit Googling younger churches or, you know, more progressive, like, I you know, newer ideas and theology type questions on Reddit and Highland Highland came up uh, very positive and welcoming. So I was excited to, you know, while I'm rethinking some of my beliefs, finding a church just like, come on in and ask your questions and we welcome you. So that was really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And we, uh, you know, I, I will, I'll say like, yeah, I've, I've seen those Reddit posts. I know they're out there and they, they will sling some mud too in those posts. So it's wild to, yeah, I'm sure you saw some of them. Yeah. yeah I just Reddit. ignored the Karen comments, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, but it's, it's funny because the Louisville subreddit on there, not to get too much into that, it does definitely lean more progressive too. And they, they are not afraid to get into some of that stuff. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, so how, how, how do you spend your free time or how do you spend your time? You know, if you want to talk <laughs> professionally, you know, I, I'm, yeah, what's going on? I'm in my senior year at the University of Louisville right now. So about halfway through my last semester, really ready for spring break. Um, I'm studying industrial engineering. So I spend my time 
taking classes that plan things and learn how to use different softwares, all that organization. I wanted to get, you know, a professional organization job. So engineering kind of fit that box. And so that's a lot of my time. Um, I've done some research projects, but I'm not on one right now. Just planning my wedding takes that sort of time outside of class. So I'm getting married in June, which is very exciting. And some of my other free time, I've been getting into books, reading some books, some for pleasure, some for learning. I realized that social media and mostly Instagram reels have deteriorated my attention span horrendously. It's TikTok so, for me. It's TikTok for me. I get it. Yeah. You know, Instagram's just the TikTok. They just copy and paste. So I like try to excuse myself like, oh, I'm not on TikTok, but I'm on Instagram. It's the same thing. So I'm trying to teach myself to have an attention span larger than a six-year-old, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, that's, that's what I do. I hang out with friends. My family lives in Crestwood, so I get to see them a lot. And one of my biggest passions, I would say, would be yoga. I have been practicing since high school. When I quit sports, um, I put myself through the pain of cross country. So my first yoga class was really nice compared to that, not a runner. Um, and that's pretty much what I do in my life. Yeah, I'm not a runner either. The only thing I run is my mouth. So I mm -hmm. it's it is it is what I do. Um, well, tell it tell me more about yoga. How do you know how how you said you got into it, you know, out of coming out of some sports or out of high school and it just kind of stuck? Yeah, so I took my first yoga class like November of my sophomore year, right? The the weekend after cross country ended. And I just kept going back. The studio was very welcoming. It's yoga is always a safe place. So you can come on your mat and you know, that's your place to be. Um, the teachers always encourage you to do what you want to do and what feels good in your body. And it's a great tool to start listening to your mental body and physical body and emotional body. There have been yoga classes where I was just rocking it out the whole time, doing arm balances and headstands. And then there's other classes where I laid in child's pose for 30 minutes and cried. And those classes are, you know, I hold them at equal weight of importance in the practice of yoga, making space to experience what's going on in your body. Um, so I, I was practicing for a year and came upon a teen teacher training where one of the, the owner of the studio had actually gotten her certification. So she sent me over there and it was actually in my hometown of Loveland, Ohio, which was cool. So I, a couple, acquaintances um, in town uh, did it with me. So we all trekked it up to Ohio a couple times a month, um, had some calls, did 200 hours of training. And it was focused on leadership and empowerment and kind of finding your voice. We, we didn't do too much into like methodologies and all that sort of stuff. But it was a really cool experience to just learn how to use your voice and lead, you know, you're in charge of people and like fostering a safe space for them to experience all the things you like to experience in the yoga class and teaching to what they need that day. So it really stuck. And I've been teaching for five years now. Um, it, it's been a great part of my life. It definitely helps with my confidence and finding my voice because if I ever get freaked out about public speaking, I just remind myself that I do it as a job. It just doesn't feel like that, but I am in fact doing weird poses with a bunch of eyes on me, you know, relying on me to tell them what to do. Right. So that's always <laughs> a boost. Yeah. So I will just say my experience with yoga, I have done a few classes. This is when I had knee issues. I had, don't have knee issues anymore, but I did then. And it was the yoga it cured me i'm just kidding no uh <laughs> i had uh but my it was always funny because at the end like uh, i was going to the ymca downtown and they have a, a very dark and they, the lady set such a mood she's a, a a a cool old lady that ran it and at the end we'd always lay there for the like last meditation and i swear every time i fall asleep every single time Oh yeah, it was the most relaxing 
but that mm-hmm. that was back before you know the pandemic and lunch naps and things like that that I've gotten yeah. very accustomed <laughs> to um which you know I'm gonna get to go back into the office starting next week and my lunch naps aren't gonna be around and I'm a little worried about that but that that's for another time um so one other thing I I so I am from Cincinnati um I grew up in Colrain um and yeah you said you from Loveland and I have family that live Loveland for years and years but there's probably no way you know any of them but the band my band my last name's Bannister they were also Bannisters that lived there but they had horses and they were always in that parade and had horses in the parade uh for like what is it the fourth of july i think is always their big parade Mm -hmm. they they always march their horses in but my aunt and my cousin christopher um yeah they big horse people out there but they moved out they don't live there anymore but for most of my life they did yeah it's a it's a weird loveland's a little weird right because it's not really far from downtown cincinnati but it feels so far from a city like I I don't know like it's a different atmosphere like it's very rural but still like within 30 minutes of downtown I don't I don't Mm -hmm. yeah I pretty much you know lived in Loveland which we called Cincinnati as kids I moved when I was five to pretty much the equivalent of Loveland in northern Kentucky so like Loveland's not really accepted as Cincinnati because it's such far removed suburb you know not city and then we moved to Burlington which is not Cincinnati but the rest of Kentucky didn't want us either so. right oh I know Burlington my friends from Dayton so like I know mm-hmm. yeah I went to uh, Thomas More College for my undergrad oh, yeah. so yeah I have yeah a lot I of... live like 20 minutes away mm-hmm. yeah so lots of lots of friends that were all from that all from the, all over down there up there up there right that's not <laughs> but yeah yeah so cool well, fun, fun connections. Um, well, Carrie, is there anything else you want to want to say before we uh, take a break and get into the sermon? I'll just say that I forgot to answer the question earlier. I have been going to Highland Baptist um, since June. So about, oh, I'm not good at math. Six plus three, nine months. Yeah. Nine months. <laughs> and I, and, and we had ran into each other at, was it the, the like, re- the little mini retreat thing mm-hmm. we did that's what it yeah. was yeah so we really couldn't do the fall retreat last year uh but we did do a mini retreat and it was nice there was lots of people mm-hmm. there and yeah i've been hanging on a thread to all of those little physical reaction or the physical interactions with people in person right that that mm-hmm. yeah so well, everyone, um, we're going to take a break. Um, we are going to, I'm going to separate us um, and we are going to, I'm going to let you listen to the anthem from this past Sunday, um, which was beautifully done by our choir. And it's called All Who Dwell in the Shadow of the Lord. Um, and we'll be right back.
Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Glad you're with us still. Uh, that was the anthem from this past weekend, All Who Dwell in the Shadow of the Lord. Um, and I loved it. Uh, so this Lenten season, everyone, uh, we're going through the darkness. We're, we're covering darkness. Um, and our first sermon this week uh, is called Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Uh, and this is covering Psalm 91, 1 through 2, and 9 through 16. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refugee and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So with that setup, Carrie, would you like to begin on this wonderful sermon we heard this weekend? Sure. Yeah. So um, Mary Alice started, you know, of course, classically with a story. So she jumps in talking about um, the darkness and how we tend as little kids to be afraid of the dark. Um, I think that that's interesting. I'm still afraid of the dark sometimes and I'm in my 20s. So maybe that fear never goes away. There's something about the, the darkness that she talks about. It's, it's unsettling. Like <laughs> it's not a welcoming place to be in the dark. So yeah, like I know I, for example, I live in a 130 year old house and like I will hear sounds and I'll go, oh, what was that just a dog walking on a creaky stair or, you know, across a creaky floorboard? Or was it the ghost from a hundred years ago? Because my house is that old. <laughs> I also, we watch way too many horror movies in our house to ever like not have a light <laughs> on anywhere. So we're all, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm always turning lights on as I move through rooms that never change, but I always have to have a light on just in case. So, That's yeah. Funny. Yeah. And so, you know, you're right. Mary Alice started off with that. Um, and one of the things I thought was interesting is she said uh, uh, that, was it 11% of people are scared of the dark? And that's more than people that are afraid of heights. I'm also afraid of both. So I don't know where I fall into that. But yeah, I, I didn't realize that that was such a big thing with people. I think like taking away one of your senses is very scary. I mean, maybe if you can't taste something, that's sad. You know, we've experienced that with COVID if you were unfortunate. Um, but with the darkness, it's like if you hear a sound, I live in Old Louisville as well. So if I hear a sound outside at 3 p.m., like, oh, someone's just messing around, whatever. But if it is at 2 a.m. and I'm in my bed and I live in a sub-level, so my windows are very accessible. It's like the, the grass and then my window is right there. So when things happen in the dark, it, it really creeps me out way more than in the light. Yep. And maybe that's because we have one of our senses, you know, we're not as ready to prepare for something in the dark because when it's dark, we sleep. We don't really have actions in the dark. So, yeah. And, you know, she, uh, she talks and, and changes the conversation, right? We talk about this physical fear of darkness. Um, and then we move into darkness as, a reality, I think, as she puts it, and she brings up Ukraine, which mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know how uh, much you pay attention to all that, but as a semi-news junkie, oh, it's overwhelming. COVID was mm -hmm. overwhelming, and now we're mm -hmm. into another, I, you know, another season of darkness, or it feels like we haven't even come out of the last one, right? It just feels like we're getting deeper, and it's just. Yeah, so heavy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the weight of the news the past couple of years has really just put a weight on a lot of people in my life. I've seen it in my coworkers. I've seen it in myself and my family. It's not easy to deal with because you don't want to let it go. You know, people are struggling. People are passing on. There's an unknown. To COVID in Ukraine 
and there's like this stripping of safety like you just don't know and we're not very good at being in the unknown and like finding solace or peace in the unknown we kind of just freak out yep yeah because it drives us to do very um to to very poor decisions right when we are thinking in a um fearful mindset right it drives thoughts of um scarcity not abundance and i know that's something our church has talked a lot about in the past is you know trying to have an abundant um, thought of love or an abundant thought of god and when you are threatened through by fear um, in that way it drives a much different response and so it's really heartbreaking to see um all that pain on tv because it just kind of bears down on you like i i it's just yeah it's very very hard to uh to swallow mm-hmm. well one of the things that um you know i feel like we're at, called to at uh, to, that we're being asked to discuss here is um you know besides ukraine you know there's there's many large things we can talk about but uh what darkness are you encountering or have you encountered in your life yeah so i think the well one of the things from childhood would be we were talking about this earlier um like fear of dying in your bed at night like getting murdered because of darkness that has kind of create you know that's been a real fear um I do get very nervous now that I have a fiance and a person that I love so deeply you know he's on equal level with my family now like I used to have nightmares and like nighttime thoughts terrors about losing my family and now I have this person who is you know, in such an intimate relationship and I'm just attached to them, you know, I just love him so much. So when he drives home at night, I just have really scary thoughts that are hard to control. You don't want to lose your most favorite person in the whole world. And it's hard to get out of that mindset when you're spiraling like oh well this is going to happen and this bad thing's going to happen and I'm going to lose him and then all of these things so that's been really hard because he was also my first relationship my first boyfriend so it's I never experienced a breakup and I and I've never experienced this attachment in this very special way to another human being so that's one piece of darkness that is kind of new, you know, in this season up, up to getting married, really realizing, oh, you are going to be like my, <laughs> I don't like the saying, but my other half, like we're going to be two holes together, but you know, right. in an easy right. way, you know, my other half in life. So that's, that's one touch of darkness that I've been experiencing right now. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I can, Oh, I love it. Um, how long have y'all been together, if you don't mind me asking? Um, it'll be three years in June when we get, we're getting married on our three-year anniversary. So about two years and nine months right now. Oh, that's awesome. So I've been with, um, I think I told you this probably when we met, but I've been with Stephen for, uh, we just hit our 14-year anniversary in oh, January. That is awesome. And I just, I love, I, I, I totally get what you're saying um about that you know being so attached to somebody and you don't realize it right because it's such a different attachment than like your brother or your sister or your best Mm -hmm. friend like I I know some people who listen to this probably consider their spouse their best friend and I'm sorry if you do too but I'm always like no my spouse my spouse is not my best friend (laughs) like there there's a ranking here and they're more than that I have a best friend and it's not my spouse, right? Like there's, there's, Mm -hmm. but yes, I totally, I get that. And he just recently, I'm going to rag on him for a minute because he went to New Orleans for a week with his, well, it was supposed to be 
five days, five nights, right? And uh, left on Sunday, supposed to come on Thursday. And all those fears that you were talking about playing in like, oh, I hope nothing happens. I'm not there. What if something happens? Oh, right. It's different than when you're with that person on a trip. It's just different, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, he calls me on Thursday morning, supposed to come home and goes, oh, funny story, David. Funny story. And I'm like, oh, no. And he starts off, first, don't be mad. Don't get mad. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, no, this is already starting. What? Why shouldn't I be mad? Right. So just to play into that. And he, he he accidentally, apparently, scheduled his plane ticket home for March instead of February. So he was supposed to come home on Thursday, uh, February 24th, and accidentally scheduled. He, he didn't realize because the month days of the month for February, March are the exact same. Mm-hmm. He scheduled it for Thursday, March 24th. So. Anyway, he made it home. We had to pay for another flight, but it was just one of those funny moments. I know, but yeah, he was in Mardi Gras dealing with a whole different kind of darkness down there. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. It was a great time. He brought home so many beads um, and he got to like enjoy and see that and experience some of that because it's, it's, it's a big party for sure um we love new orleans it's one of our favorite cities to visit the history the culture down there it's just so so interesting um and he also went with his mom so they had a good time but anyway back to the darkness um so what one of uh, one of my small darknesses i want to mention is uh that i dealt with last month was i gave up social media on my phone for a whole month and it was, you know, coming, come, going through that and realizing, like, not only how attached I was to that, and I read this book called Digital Minimalism, um, and it really kind of opened my eyes and made me rethink some things that I've already been thinking about as far as, like, my relationship with technology, and I... Uh, I got through that and I did this digital detox and just realizing how attached I am, but also, and I don't mean this in a judgmental way for anybody that's around me, but I notice it more is how attached and, and um, addicted to their phones. Other people are too. And like, especially my husband, because I spend so much time with him, I don't have anything on my phone worth playing with. So I'm sitting, you know, and I just realized I'm like, wow, we really, weren't talking much in some cases right or fill in the void with other things or um but i just realized like it it was a kind of a imposed darkness on myself because i didn't feel as attached right i didn't have facebook always um telling me what's going on with all my friends or my family or um, my obsession of tiktok and watching all the funny videos I didn't have any of that for a month and and I just felt myself kind of change slightly and to come out of that and into the Ukraine stuff and, and only experiencing that through the television and not like social media or these normal channels I normally would has just been kind of I, I, I was kind of starved for that stuff and then I come out and it's all this is happening it's just been super overwhelming but yeah, that's that's kind of the one of the darknesses I've been dealing with lately. Yeah, social media really has created such a I want I want to use the word community, but it's like a fake community almost. <laughs> like yes, you can connect with someone across the globe, but also are you connecting with the person sitting next to you on the couch? Mm-hmm. And I I <laughs> sorry, you can go ahead. No, I was just going to say you're right because it's like a very it's a very selective and performative vulnerability, right? We, we mm-hmm. use it however it feels good to make whatever point we're making, right? You can be as mm-hmm. happy and carefree and I have this wonderful life while your life's actually burning behind you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And 
it usually ends up making me feel more alone, which is what I associate with darkness. So even, you know, be, there's the side of being in social media that you feel alone, but you also feel connected. And when you take that away, especially when so many world events are going on, you can feel alone as well because those people are still connecting with that whole other side of the digital world. Um, but I definitely associate the idea of darkness with being alone. So, so how I'll dive in a little bit, cause I know one of the things, um, you and I discussed a little bit about was, um, kind of rebuilding your faith. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure, uh, as someone who has deconstructed and gone through that myself through my, like coming out and figuring out, you know, who I am, what I believe, I understand that. Right. And, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to elaborate on any of that and what you've been facing as you've been dealing with that. Yeah. So um, I'd probably say I started deconstructing somewhere in COVID. It was honestly refreshing not to go to church every Sunday and not to read my Bible every single day that I, I grew up with expectations from a youth group um, that was like, you need to be in your Bible every day. And I also definitely put those on myself. Um, as someone who's very self-critical and an overachiever and a perfectionist. So I was in a a youth group that was fostering good things, but I also took things to an extreme where it's like shaming myself if I didn't spend time in the Bible and shaming other people if they weren't spending time in the Bible or doing the right things or making the right decisions or believing certain things. So the start of my reconstructing was just hanging out. I, I started my reconstruction, not on purpose. It was just a a silence almost with my relationship with God. It never went away. It just got very quiet. And then I finally started missing it because I had been forcing it on myself for so long that it was like, what do I want out of this relationship? And like, what does it look like now? So when I started putting the pieces back together, I realized that I hadn't really asked questions or doubted much. Um, and when, if it came to the Bible or theology, um, I spent a chunk of my life um, in Armenian Wesleyan theology and then a chunk um, unknowingly in Calvinist theology at a youth group. Um, so I was introduced to an entire flip side of theology that I had been accustomed to. Um, when I was in high school for a couple years and I just remember coming home crying to my parents like what are they saying like I don't understand like how how does God work in the world this way and all these things and um you know I I stayed towards the Arminian Wesleyan side however it it also sparked so many arguments with people I was like oh well this is not productive, you know. So I'm I'm not too familiar, but could you give me like something that's very specifically Arminian Wesleyan as an uh, example? Free will. Okay. Um, just like the the free will doctrine. Um, do they they don't believe in it? Like it's all pre. No, they do believe okay. in it. Calvinism is more that's on the more side predestined. of predestination, election, God's absolute sovereignty in situations. Okay. At least that's what I experienced through it. I don't want to talk for a whole side of theology, but I grew up free will. Like, you know, I chose to follow Jesus and I would have people in conversations telling me like, that's kind of arrogant of you to think that you're allowed to choose Jesus. Like he chose you. And so these were not productive arguments for 17 year olds. I was like, this is not fostering God's love. Mm -hmm. This is not what is our mission in the world if we're the people who are supposed to be you know wearing the same jerseys and like spreading love into the world and injustice so um the the d and reconstruction also came with more critical thought on politics i definitely took a side seat to politics in high school um i just didn't want to have i i was the kid who was like, I don't need to be a feminist because I'm a Christian. Like, that is the, 
that's the only label I need. Right. Um, I didn't need so. girls. I didn't need <laughs> girls. I was concentrated on my studies. Like I, I was. Yeah. Anyway, it's like, a whole different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, um, kind of reeling in in my brain here, but. I just started asking questions and I tend, I crack myself up. I say the most ridiculous things that I know aren't true. But if you believe your whole life in like biblical literacy or I had, I had never thought about like, what if Jonah didn't live in a way or a big fish? I had never asked that question. Like they taught it to me when I was three. Why would I question it? And so the, just the littlest, silliest things that you're rethinking, you're like, oh, was that a story? <laughs> like, did that really happen? Did it need to happen? You know, what are the yeah. context of that? But having the freedom to ask those questions. But I, I tend to do the, what if the Bible's just not true at all? It was just written by people. And I say that out loud and make a lot of people uncomfortable. And I don't believe what I'm saying. I'm just being ridiculous for a minute. But my process is to say something ridiculous gets you closer to a middle ground of like figuring out what you believe because there's one side that's like the Bible is completely literal and then there's one side of thought where like the Bible is just a book of stories and it doesn't matter so if you can say those two things out loud and you know you don't agree with both of them a hundred percent and you hold a piece of that makes sense in your brain and and start critically thinking about things in reading things that are not the Bible and having conversations with people who have studied the Bible and other other theologies and, and, and informations and collecting these ideas. And I've had such a great time, like even being in the darkness of the, the unknown, it's giving me freedom. And it, it's an uncomfortable freedom to be like, I don't actually, I, I don't have an answer. And that's really uncomfortable. And it's not what evangelical Christianity is about most of the time. Like nope. you have an answer. So I'm, you know, you're still feeling that darkness because part of this Christian community is like, you've lost your faith. And like, if you don't have an answer for that, like there is an answer for that. Therefore you're wrong. Instead of being in this darkness, and, and moving within the darkness with Jesus and also a community of people where you can doubt and ask questions and they're welcomed. And that's been such a, a beautiful part of my relationship with Lauren um, and my relationship with my small group, my, my Sunday morning, we call ourselves the 20 somethings. I don't think we have a, a solid name yet. We're the younger half. So the, the newer half of the- Love it young adult so the 20 something and I love that we just sit in what I would consider some darkness we have people from catholic backgrounds from evangelical free backgrounds from non-denominational backgrounds from I don't know backgrounds <laughs> and we just ask questions together um so I really connected with um Mary Alice's commenting on like what if the darkness has something to teach us I really like that question and she says that the psalmist prays for courage in the darkness. Mm -hmm. And what an interesting thing. Like he's not praying to leave the darkness. He's praying to grow while he's there. And I know I spend so much of my life running away from darkness because it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. it, that's, the, <laughs> that's the easiest way to put it. It's really uncomfortable. Um, but then like having this practice of yoga in my life has taught me to pause and to meditate in situations. So I really liked when she was talking about like, what if we took a moment to pause? And um, one of my, my spiritual mentors and, and friends in my life, she was telling me about them. She's been practicing centering prayer. And um, she says it's, it's a meditative prayer. And when she moves into that space, she's asking God to come meet her where she is instead of reaching out for God and asking specific things of him. It's this place where, you know, she was sharing some of her darknesses with me and just saying like, I just needed a space. Like this has been my, one of my only spaces to just be 
like end of sentence to be. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was so interesting. Like instead of racing to get out of the darkness, what if we invited God into it? And that kind of breaks down that darkness as being alone um, concept. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, you know, one of the things that Mary Alice brings up that I just I, I loved, and you were kind of alluding to it a little bit when you were talking like, oh, evangelicals, la, la, la. <laughs> she talked about, um, how did she put it? Uh, uh, full solar spirituality um, <laughs> and how, I think that's how she said that, right? Uh, solar powered faith, solar powered faith, right? Those, you know, that live in the light, that are powered by the light, um, and, and I've seen this with, with family members, I don't want to name names, seen this with family members, right, where they, they go to churches that don't even acknowledge the dark, and I say that in a way of, like, you're about to go through your first Lenten season at Highland, and I will, um, I will say my favorite, it's the darkest service of of I think the church year, right? Which is Good Friday. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever been to a, a, a Good Friday service, um, but the first time I went, super emotional. Mm-hmm. But, it, and it's, it's the, it's, you know, the day that Jesus is crucified um, and that we do a service for that. Uh, Catholics do services, a lot of the liturgical um, churches that follow the liturgy will will do uh, something for for Good Friday, and I just for it being the darkest, I find it to be one of the most poignant because it is the only it is that one day that's the darkest part of of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I think um, to note that and feel that that sacrifice, but uh, you know. There's churches, those family members don't have gone to churches. They don't, they don't acknowledge it, right? It's, we leave Palm Sunday and we're right to the resurrection, baby. Like nothing happened, right? We're just um, straight to Easter bunnies and um, yeah. And it just, they just blow by it, right? And it's Mm -hmm. like, how can you, and Mary Alice kind of alludes to it, like, how can you just always be on? What do you do when that season of darkness hits you, right? Like, it, and I would say like those people have have experienced dark times. And when you're not always on, like the rest of your church or your church friends, when they're on, you look, they look down on it, right? Mm-hmm. They don't, it's never a place of how can I support you? It's, ooh, is your faith strong enough if you're asking this question or you're dealing with this grief? Like, you just need to believe in Jesus. It just, let's go. Like, Jesus is the, you know, what is your question? And, you know, you ask a question, they go, well, Jesus is the answer. It doesn't matter what the question is. They would just, you know, that that kind of interaction. And I just, yeah. So her idea that she says, um, I wasn't sure if she said it or somebody else said it. But she says she has, they have a, was it, was that the Brene, uh, the Barbara Brown Taylor, I think was the one talking about this, maybe. I could totally be sending this to, attributing uh, to this wrong person, but the the gift of lunar spirituality, you know, you've, you've gone through it, you talked about it, I, I've been there, I understand, I've had, you know, several dark moments that I've talked about on this podcast over the years, you know, my my motorcycle accident, right, with a concussion, my coming out story and figuring out, you know, who I am and just a lot of different things that if it wasn't for those dark moments, I wouldn't be who I am. And I also understand the joys. I feel like, you know, I know I'm still young. Uh, I'm 37, though. And in my in my short life and all of these experiences, they've helped me realize what real joy is so and what real joy can be and so i don't know i look at those people and just you know feel a little bad for them because 
it'll always feel a little perf social media performative, right? The way mm -hmm. <laughs> to circle back to that. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, we've talked a lot. I want you to know, well, first I'll, I'll just end it to say, um, Mary Alice, great sermon. She's my biggest, she's our biggest fan on this podcast. Love you, Mary Alice. Uh, you know, Mary Alice has shared her vulnerabilities too and her her dealing with her brittle, the brittle bone disease mm -hmm. and, and, her, and her dark nights. And, you know, I think holding on to those questions, you know, finding, learning how to find peace in the dark or um, to become content in the dark, which is really hard to say when you're, like we've talked about, we're afraid of the dark. But, <laughs> but you know, it's, I think that's what she's challenging us to do this Lent and, and to, to sit with it you know, maybe I'll, I'll try not to turn the lights on as I walk through the house all, every night, but you know, <laughs> baby steps, baby steps. So mm -hmm. um, any final thoughts? I'm just excited for my first uh, Lent season with my church and my Bible study. So it, I'm excited to be in the dark. I know that <laughs> probably sounds silly, but um, I really love the idea that the dark blooms and seeds as Mary Alice talked about. So I hope this season blooms some stuff. So when we, we do come out into the light um, at the end of it, we see true beauty. Absolutely. And I'm going to end it on something she quoted in the sermon, um, which was a quote she said from Wendell Berry. Um, and he wrote, to go in the dark with a light is to know the light, to know the dark go dark go without sight and find that the dark too blooms and sings and is traveled by dark feet and dark wings thanks y'all um i'll see you next week with another special guest have a great week